0: And when 2008 hit, for numerous reasons, we were not in a great place. But I really felt that I had the vision uh, to get us to the far side of this. uh, And what I needed to do was focus on making myself better. The Architects of Business on Joe, in partnership with the EY Entrepreneur of the Year programme, telling the story of Ireland's leading entrepreneurs across the island of Ireland.
1: Family businesses are a huge part of the economy and when it's personal, failure is not an option. This is the Architects of Business, Joe's series of interviews with leading entrepreneurs in partnership with EY Entrepreneur of the Year. I'm Ty Gainwright and today I'll be speaking with Caroline Keeling, who's grown to the top of her near century old family fruit business.
0: You didn't see any other women in business when I was eight, nine, ten. So it didn't really occur to me when I was younger that I would go into the family business.
1: Being part of the family has its advantages, but it can also mean you must prove yourself
0: even more. I had a meeting with one of our big clients who sat down opposite me and said, right, so what qualifies you for this role other than your second name?
1: Caroline also overcame an obstacle that nature had thrown in her way.
0: There's a, a level of creativity and seeing things differently that I think part of dyslexia that has helped me. Uh, It certainly helped me land a deal once in New Zealand.
1: We'll hear Caroline's thoughts on growing a global business from Ireland and the perils and pluses of keeping it in the family. Caroline Keeling, thank you very much for coming in uh, and being with us. I mean, this this business has been in your family for your whole lifetime. What's Mm -hmm. it like kind of growing up in a business like that?
0: Um, It was great fun. Um, As kids we all worked in the family business picking fruit. Um, By the time I was 14 I got to go into the office. Um, and it was great learning, I have to say. You got to do jobs. Um, so basically I used to cover for the ladies who worked in the offices on their summer holidays. So it was great fun and I got paid for it.
1: Yeah, nice so the side
0: Absolutely. Nice the so side number. we were very lucky as kids. What work we did, we got paid for. Probably brought out the capitalist in us, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it worked well.
1: Is it good for kids though? I mean, would, would you have been better off playing hopscotch or whatever? on your summer
0: holidays? Uh, I don't, I have to say, I think it was good for me anyway. Mm. I think I learned a lot as a kid and um, I also, I think it gave a level of responsibility, understanding jobs needed to be done and completed at a young age.
1: And did you kind of share in the, the the stresses that inevitably come with with running a business at that stage? You know, did you see kind of tough days for your for your for your parents or whoever? Um, you know, when things didn't go quite right.
0: No, sadly, I. I they, Dad would have protected us from all of that. We would have just known what we the area we were working in. So, so they, sh- they
1: shielded you from. Totally, from that.
0: I do remember one day though being in the middle of uh, two of the members of staff having a big row. Um, I was about fourteen. Uh, so this guy called Les was called and dad was asking me how my day was and I remember going, it was okay but I know I never want Les's job I don't know what Les does but I don't want that job (laughs) It
1: looks stressful (laughs) Yeah. So did you always think that you would uh, end up heading into the family business?
0: No, I suppose it never really occurred to me growing up uh, that I would go into the family business Um, I sort of You didn't see any other women in business when I was eight, nine, ten. In the food industry, there weren't a lot of women. Leading businesses, etc. So it didn't really occur to me when I was younger. Um, so I went to college. I was going to college to study physics. I ended up studying chemistry, um, and then went to work in the food industry after doing a masters in food science.
1: So that's an interesting one because you, so you, because you were you were a girl at the time, yes. growing into a woman. <laughs> uh, you assumed that there wouldn't be a place for you in the family business, and yet, yet you ended up in the food industry.
0: Yeah, I, I sort of I suppose when I was. 10 the world was a lot different than when I was 20 and even when I was 25 so when I was 10 looking at it it was a different landscape and the changes that made in that time um, sort of opened the doors for a lot of people so when I was 10, mm. it didn't seem like there was that many opportunities.
1: It's interesting really because you might have thought that you know, even back then when there wasn't as much of a place in business for women that within a family business yeah. is where yeah. women with talent could could flourish.
0: And, and to be fair I did and, and I got that opportunity. Um, I think my parents were very good in that they didn't um, insist in any way shape or form that we were going to go into the business. My brothers and myself were given absolute choice as to what we wanted to do and I personally 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 for me anyway I think that makes it nicer I know I'm in the business out of choice uh, because I want to be because I love it and not because I felt an obligation or a duty to
1: so you decided back then to go to, to, to college and study. What was it again, chemistry first uh, chemi- or Yeah, first? I, I did
0: science in UCD, thinking I would major in physics. I um, hadn't done chemistry before and just loved it and ended up doing chemistry. And then I did a master's in food science.
1: OK, so what, what was it led you in that direction? Just loving being in, in the lab at school? Or? Uh,
0: yeah, I like science, maths and science and those kind of subjects. And I think I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do. So I think the idea was study what you enjoy. And that's kind of what I did. Um, I think maybe deep down I really wanted to go work in Cadbury's in a chocolate factory, um, <laughs> but uh, I sort of decided I did like the food industry. And at that stage, there was more opportunities coming out in the early nineties.
1: So your education led you into the, the, the food industry again. Yeah. Having, I suppose, yes. you know, done the yeah. University of Life as a as a child in the business. But I suppose when you're in business, do you ever stop learning and learning about the world and learning about yourself?
0: no i think i think that's the critical thing and i think if you want to improve all the time and improve what you do you have to keep Uh, looking at yourself and learning about yourself. Um, One thing I learned when I was 24 on a business trip uh, there was a guy there who was an expert on dyslexia who told me I was dyslexic and I was kind of going yeah somebody said that to me before. Uh, Unfortunately I've no idea why they made it such a difficult to spell word so it's hard for me to look (laughs) up in the first place and I certainly can't spell it. Um, But I did look up and found out a little bit more about it and yeah I'm mildly dyslexic. So you you only realised that at 24? Yeah. Now, we knew I wasn't very good at spelling but um, look, I my mum was a Montessori teacher so she taught me to read very early so any challenges I had we worked through and wow. um, I was well able to read. I just Upwards backwards and etc. and numbers backwards only once in the business. Um, <laughs> A number backwards, I, I, I put it the wrong way round, and, and it wasn't in our favour. So uh, <laughs> I, I haven't done that since. I'm very cautious about that. But I think the one thing I learned about dyslexia was yes, there's some challenges to it in the way your brain works and the way your brain sees things. But there's also some great benefits to it. I think everybody has it impact them slightly differently uh, with. Uh, mine there's a a level of creativity and seeing things differently that I think is part of dyslexia that has helped me Uh, it certainly helped me land a deal once in New Zealand um, because there was a guy I met his son had just been diagnosed he was only about six and I met them and his son had his shoes on the wrong feet and the guy was concerned and I was no no, no you, he just needs to learn the trick so with dyslexia there's certain things that are a little bit more difficult so you put the shoes together and they have to make an arch so if they don't make an arch they're the wrong that's how you manage it exactly so you can't tell them to just pick up the left and the right it just doesn't work that way so anyway went through that. That was fine. This was a guy I've been trying to get apples from for years, no chance. Strangely enough, that season we got apples. Wow, how'd you like them apples? <laughs> they were good. <laughs> and do you,
1: do you see that kind of, uh, you were talking about the, the, the creativity. Is that just you or is that another people that you've met who also have dyslexia? I,
0: I think so. Like if you look at an awful lot of people um, who entrepreneurs, I think there's possibly a slightly higher percentage of entrepreneurs who have mild to strong dyslexia I know a couple in the EY group (laughs)
1: <laughs> wow, and 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 you, th- but you think it's definitely a kind of. I suppose it can hold you back in in school if it's yes. not diagnosed. Yes,
0: absolutely. But and and, and look, I was lucky; I was very mild. Um, so yes, I was told I was an idiot and couldn't spell, but other than that, I managed reasonably well.
1: And you, the confidence to overcome that. But exactly. when it comes to, to having those big ideas,
0: yes, and it's sort of I think there's a creativity or a different way of thinking that can be harnessed. So I I, I do think it's worth looking at if you have dyslexia there's some challenges but there's potentially some opportunities in it
1: So tell me about the, the, the early years then of your, your, your professional career you've got your food science masters under your belts,
0: and, and I went to work for Green Isle okay. uh, which is a great company really enjoyed it um, it got loads of projects um, the people were fantastic my boss, a lady called Karen Kay was just so supportive and I learnt an awful lot from her um, so really enjoyed it and they offered me a promotion into the department that I wanted and a pay rise after about 18 months so I came home all excited and Dad suggested that well there was an opening in the business they needed the technical quality skills that I had, and asked, Would I join? So I sort of said in my head, Well, I'd join for two years, do that, and then probably move on to another technical role.
1: And it's interesting that because you're only with Green Isle for, for, for 18 months yeah. before Dad tried to bring you back into the yeah. fold.
0: Now, to be fair, there was a good business reason at yeah. that time. Yeah. Um, there was a, an opportunity opened up in the UK and um, there was an oppor- they needed somebody with my skills. But was there any
1: part of you that kind of wondered, you know, I've, I've, I've done this by myself, I've got the Green Isle job, they're giving me a promotion, yeah. and why sh- why would I take the kind of the 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 predict almost predictable path
0: yeah um i suppose i just thought well look i'll learn a bit about the business i'll find out about it if i enjoy it i enjoy it if i don't i'll leave and and to be fair you know i'll do the 2 years get that piece of work done I wouldn't leave it undone.
1: Ah, come on. There must be some party that realise that a a family business is kind of like Hotel California. You can check in, but you can never leave.
0: Ah, (laughs) you can. Or you should be able to. (laughs) Because I I do think that's part of it. It can't be who you are. It can't be everything about who you are. Um, You know, because family businesses have to evolve all the time. They can't stay the same. Um, and it is a big challenge with a family business that's around for a long time. There's some brilliant stuff. But how do you bring in new thinking? Mm-hmm. So we're always trying to learn and bring in new thinking. So keep what's really good about ourselves but continually improve. Uh, how many generations is the family business going th- on? I'm the third. You're the third. Yeah.
1: And is there a degree whenever it comes to that new thinking and new ideas that you're, you know, you could be tearing up some great idea that your, you know, your yeah. grandparents or your great grandparents had. Or my
0: dad. Or your, or your dad <laughs> had. Is still there. Is there any
1: sense of kind of like, you know, oh, well, I can't do that because dad wouldn't like it that way. I mean, I mean I'm sure you, it's the right decision for this moment in time.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But
1: I sense that. Yeah, oof. poor, no. And
0: no? to be fair, i will tear up my own. You know something I thought was brilliant ten years ago. No, nope, it's no longer
1: the right thing to be doing. We need mm-hmm. to move on. What's it like in, in within a family business that to to work alongside people who are who are not part of the family? Is there kind of a, a tension or kind of a a different kind of set of?
0: Yeah, feelings. Rules and, and things. I think one thing we try to do is um all of our senior people have to have a say. You you can't come into work on a Monday morning and feel that we discussed it on Sunday lunch and the decision is no longer up for discussion. Mm. Um so the key is the people the key people in our business in their roles they have to make the decisions around what's happening. Mm. Like nearly any other business. So we have to run it like a professional business.
1: And as someone who carries the surname, do you kind of feel like you need to... Uh, prove yourself even more that says do you know something I'm, I'm I'm, making this decision or I'm getting this job and it's it's, it's not just because I'm a Keeling
0: yeah I, I suppose I remember I'd say I was probably only three weeks in the company and I had a meeting with one of our big clients who sat down opposite me and said right so what qualifies you for this role other than your second name um, so uh, you know you do get that challenge and I, I love when that challenge is to your face because <laughs> at least you can answer it <laughs> well let just
1: send it to your face I mean, did you say what did you say
0: um well i said look i i have a master's in the area i have i've have experienced i've done this before so my plan is to roll it out and use the team and use the expertise and look i i I have to be judged by my performance Mm. um and i think one of the key things with all of your business decisions is to try and For want of a better term, take as much emotion. You might have a gut feel for stuff, which I still think you need to listen to. um, But you need to make the right decision for the business.
1: Yeah. Is there, uh, you know, a a part of you that um, sometimes, uh, you know, do you ever wonder if somebody else would be better for the job?
0: Yeah, I uh, particularly, I'd only taken over in 2006. And when 2008 hit, it, the, for numerous reasons, we were not in a great place. And I did think about it then. Um, but I really felt that I had the vision. Uh, to get us to the far side of this. Uh, And what I needed to do was focus on making myself better. If I hadn't made myself better, I probably couldn't have taken us to the far side. Um, But I really worked hard on making myself better in not just um, my knowledge and experience, but also focusing on being fit, looking after myself, hmm. all that kind of stuff as well. So being at my best to enable me to do my best performance. And I,
1: and I guess the difference between you and somebody who doesn't carry the surname Keeling is that for, for you, it's, it's personal. Yeah. And, and there's, there's a pride, there's a family pride there. And yeah. you know, some, an outsider could come in for a while and, and just kind of walk away if it doesn't quite work out.
0: True, but I would be that type of person that uh, if I took responsibility for something, I'd take it quite seriously. Yes, of course,
1: of course. So talk to me about those difficulties you had back in 2008, like the rest of the world had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, What were they and what was your vision to get through them?
0: Um, I think, you know, we had to evolve as a business. And we had to change some of the things we were doing. Um, we had to get more cost effective. Uh, and one of the challenges you have is you have a lot of families who depend on on you being successful. So if we lost pieces of business, jobs would have been lost. Uh, so that kind of adds the pressure. Um, and the one thing we did, we set up a program called Stepping Up, which we presented out to everybody in the business going, I can't solve this. The senior team can not solve this. Only we can solve this. Everybody has to be engaged in how Keelings become, steps up to the challenge of this environment. And I have to say the team within the entire business was amazing as to how they stepped up.
1: So are we talking about people coming forward with ideas that uh, perhaps I, wouldn't have occurred to the idea, senior management? Ideas, but
0: also how you work. To take real accountability for what you do and how you do it. Hmm. And knowing that we have to get more cost effective so you can see waste where i can't i'm up in an office sometimes or i'm off at a meeting yeah you're you're there you can see what's going on make the change
1: and i guess that that responsibility you feel to those families who, who depend on you is probably born out of the fact that you know it's you've grown up in that same yeah. north dublin community yeah uh they're, they're all living around you and you can see yep. the the impact of of um people losing jobs
0: exactly and and you know we we'll go through phases in the economy where you're full employment where we have an unemployment issue and those cycles will occur and I do think it's part of family businesses do take it quite seriously their role in employing people
1: so you're in the business of of selling berries yeah. to a large part, not exclusively, <laughs> yeah, no. but it's a big part of your business, and it's what I suppose most Irish people know you for is seeing yeah. your your name in the the fruit sections in supermarkets. Um, it must be good to be in the a good time to be in the business of superfoods.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah, and it's great. I mean, for want of a better term, if we're successful and we sell more, we kind of think people are going to be healthier. Yeah. So it's brilliant to be in that kind of product area, um, where the more of our product you eat we believe the healthier you'll be and
1: um, you know the, bil- the businesses has grown uh, an awful lot recently mm-hmm. hasn't it I mean t- talk to me about the, the pace of the timing of, the, of, of that growth and how much of it has happened I suppose under, yeah. under your watch
0: well I think we've done a number of different things so um, we've sort of gone in and out of the UK a little bit uh, so we, we've got a business there which we're very happy with um, we're investing in production outside of Ireland as well um, so I just signed off today we're partners in a melon farm in Brazil.
1: Wow, just so this today? Morning,
0: yeah, just signed the breaking the, news exclusive. The, the, the quota holders agreement, I believe that's what it's called in Brazil mm-hmm. Um. And um, we also have um, a farm in Costa Rica as well with a partner that we grow. So we're looking at expanding how we um, grow product outside of Ireland as well. And we also have an office in Rungis in France. So if you go to a lot of the retailers in France, the Carrefour, etc., you can see Keeling's branded pineapples
1: and it's it's your brand as well because yeah. i mean i th- i wasn't terribly aware actually before looking into you, that that your your reach was quite so wide i mean just set set me straight here really <laughs> about just how big a deal keeling's is
0: i uh, know it's it's look it's it's still a family business and it's a produce business where uh, i think we've high turnover and low margins so i think that's the food industry a little bit um and we're Reasonably strong in the UK, and we're trying to build up in Europe, starting in the French market. Mm. Now we do a little bit into the other countries, but it's mainly in the French market.
1: You talk about you know dabbling in the UK, as it were. Have there been some kind of moments there where you got your your your, your hands burned?
0: Yeah, yeah. We've we've tried different things. Uh, some worked, some didn't. We tried prepared foods that didn't work for us. Um, so there's a number of things that we try. We learn. You know, you might decide, right, five years time, it might be the right time. Remember everything you've learned yeah. and, and you go back in fully armed with the knowledge, etc. And look, every business, if you're going to do stuff, you're going to make some mistakes.
1: Yeah. And, and how do you pick yourself up from those mistakes? Or how does it feel after they've, you know, you've realized actually that wasn't the right call? Or? call
0: um, you just got to get on with it and make some good calls yep. <laughs> afterwards. And sometimes a good call is cut it quick.
1: Cut it quick c- can
0: Cut of quick move You tried on. it and move on You can't beat yourself up Over every wrong decision You beat yourself up Over keeping it too long
1: Yeah Do you think is that a mistake That some entrepreneurs make Is that they Maybe dwell too much On mistakes Without just moving on
0: um, I think you need to learn And it's hard It's hard When you're sort of You put your neck on the line And, and you haven't been successful in that one so you do need a level of resilience in order to pick yourself up and get back out there.
1: And innovation, because I mean, uh, Mm. you're also kind of, uh, I'm not sure quite sure how to describe this, is it selling your know-how, selling your systems, as it were, to other producers. Would you want to explain that for us? Yeah, so
0: we wrote the ERP system to manage a produce company. ERP system? ERP, so it's an enterprise resource planning system. So it's basically a system that will organize everything from your ordering of your stock, transport in, packing it, taking it from a box, putting it into a bag, keeping traceability, all that kind of stuff, quality management, all your sales. I'm obsessed with everybody having the right data to do their job. Um, Because particularly in our industry, when I started in the commercial side, um, so I took over a business and I'm starting to look for the numbers and you're constantly getting told, you know, we lost money A week ago, because we packed lemons this way instead of that. And you said, but you needed to know last Tuesday when it Hmm. was happening, not the following Monday. And that's what our system does, is it gives you the live information as and when you need it. And it gives it to the right people. Because to be fair, I don't need to know. What's the take up been on that? Um, it's, we've literally just finished it within our own business. Ah. So we have two reference sites um, already start, that we started up. Reference and be sites, be effe- effectively buyers. Third parties, yeah. yeah. So we have two people in Holland and the third person in China. Wow. So we actually have a person in China using it. Um, but we're going to focus on the Dutch market and sort of we have a target over the next 12 months to sign up ideally four companies. So we're to- in talks with them, so fingers crossed mm. uh, they'll come off so how long have you been at the helm now the, in the top job uh, since 2006 ok well that's quite yeah minute. so it's, it is a while
1: yeah yeah and you know when you, when you go home or when you have your, your Sunday lunch mm. uh, on a Sunday with, with, with the whole family assuming you do I mean do you ever kind of look at your dad and see misty eyes of pride when he looks at what his little girl has, uh, has achieved running the, <laughs> the, running the shop as it were
0: uh, I, I can see him thinking she really should be doing this I don't know why she's not focusing on that part <laughs> so there's,
1: there's still a lively kind of shall we say oh, yeah. debate about exactly. strategy which
0: is, which is good you yeah. should have that uh, that's, that's of value Okay. Fascinating
1: stuff. Uh, Caroline Keeling, do stay with us because still to come on the Architects of Business, I'll be asking uh, about Caroline's thoughts on building a global empire from Ireland uh, and also about women in business.
0: You're listening to the Architects of Business on Joe in partnership with EY Entrepreneur of the Year. Visit EOY.ie to find out more about the programme and this year's finalists. Get in touch. Mail us on thearchitectsofbusiness at joe.ie.
1: So, Caroline, there, there still really aren't that many women running businesses uh, of the scale and in a way that, that, that you are. I mean, does, does that bother you personally?
0: Um, I do think we do need to encourage and enable more women to run companies. I think in the interest of fairness and in the interest of the economy. I think we're missing out if we don't have more women. I think a study in the UK, there are more male CEOs called either David or John than there are female CEOs.
1: Mm. I think it's improving
0: though? Um, Can you see it? Very slowly, very slowly in the data. Uh, I feel it in our company and I know I always look at the top 100. In our, in our company um, from a salary point of view etc and you can see it growing in our company but not necessarily fast enough
1: hmm. do you think uh, are you a believer in, in in shall we say positive discrimination quotas whatever it takes um, making you know really active decisions that put women foot to the fore
0: I, I think so but I think if we don't resolve the um, the reasons why that's happening, I think it won't help as much as it should. So I think we really need to understand the reasons why it's happening. It's not just because somebody's sitting in an interview and going, I'm going to give it to the man. It's much more complex than that and there's more work to be done. So the government launched a programme recently about better balance in business and um, I think we're a member of the 30% Club and I think, you know, over the next five or six years I think we do need to push to make it a more level playing field, but to understand the reasons why.
1: Yeah, because I guess sometimes better. the reasons why are, are shall we say... Uh, not conscious, you know. Some 100%. people are, are kind of like, should we say, actively misogynist or sexist, and other people might be just, should we say, passively or unintentionally so.
0: And to be fair, if you did bias testing on a lot of women, if we were raised with those biases, we have them, mm. <laughs> and you know, we mightn't intellectually believe in them, but you have biases. Have
1: there been times where you kind of felt like obstacles were put in your way because you're a woman?
0: Um, I've had both positive and negative discrimination because of being a woman. Uh, for want of a better term, I know when I've gone to an event on occasion, I've stood out a lot more solely by being a woman. I get, to, you know, uh, I think once uh, I turned up at a food uh, dinner that the, the Minister for Agriculture was holding years ago, and Keelings were tiny little business, seated at the back, until um, I turned up, because I was the only woman, and as the only woman in the room, I had to sit beside the minister.
1: That got you attention. <laughs> Very good. So I think
0: it was Kerry got moved aside.
1: <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you feel though, a, a responsibility, I suppose, as, as a woman leader, to, to, to promote... Uh, other, you know, the concept of, of, of yeah. women leadership, either, yeah. you know, through, through networks or whatever, even through exactly. things like the Entrepreneur of the Year scheme.
0: Yeah, and the, the, I have to say the community there is fantastic and it's a fantastic network. It is one of the things that they say women don't use the network quite as much as men do it's again another one of the things but I have to say the EY network is fantastic and you learn an awful lot both in the program but also from the other people and you have a network of people you can pick up the phone to Mm. who if you know have been through what you're about to go through you can have a conversation with them so it, it, it is a fantastic program
1: uh, I mean obviously it's, it's, it's a global program and you're operating on a, on a global basis and, and I guess different cultures are moving at different speeds yes, have yes. you seen any of the, the kind of the, the slower speeds as it were?
0: Yeah like I come back to Ireland a lot going god I'm quite happy that I'm Irish and that I live in Ireland <laughs> uh, I've had various yeah I've turned up in one place and the guys just out of shock went but but you are a woman, um, and and loads of others. But look, within half an hour, usually, you know, you get down to business, mm. and I'm able to hold a good conversation. Where, where was topic.
1: that? And did he get <laughs> did he get over it, as it were?
0: Absolutely, he did get over it, but in a very strange way, because uh, there were three of them, and we. It wasn't until we were out in the yard, and um, I looked down because they were all looking at my foot, and they. Back a little bit, and uh, I sort of looked down at my foot mid question, and I stood on the leg of a very large spider. Oh. And normally I'd be no, I don't mind spiders at all. I, I, don't even need to escort them from the house I'm quite happy to share my space with them and uh, And
1: maybe this was a hot country and it was a big spider very
0: hot country very big (laughs) spider and from their reaction very poisonous spider which I did find out later it was (laughs) Uh, so instead of kind of I sort of thought oh I can't take my foot off and let it off it might bite me or something so I did very Stomping it, and um, after that they were yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, three bags full ma'am. So wow! I would not normally stand on a spide, but wow! Well, <laughs> in that circumstances, I thought it, it was it, going to bite me. It was you <laughs> or
1: it, so I think you made the yeah. uh, the right but choice. That, that
0: kind of lifted me up in their estimation a little bit, so uh, <laughs> we got we got on fine from
1: there.
0: Mm. I mean, do, do you think?
1: Do you think, do do schools prepare uh, girls enough or in the right way for, for, you know, are they, are they breaking the stigma, breaking the stereotypes or helping to or hindering?
0: Well, the fact that they're segregated, I don't think helps. So an awful lot of our schools are still segregated. So I'm not sure. Did
1: you go to a segregated school?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, I think my mum thinks I would have tried harder if I was more, I was slightly competitive. (laughs) (laughs) Um. They say girls do better in a single sex school, potentially in exams. But I think you learn more by interacting with each other and et cetera. So, uh, you know, it's something that I I think schools can only do so much. And and part of school is just what you do every day. And if what you do every day is segregated, Mm. you don't get to learn about the other. They become a little bit more different.
1: But also, I mean, it's to do with what teachers are telling you to, to, to strive for. And if, if your teachers aren't telling you to encourage yeah. you to, to think about yes. business or careers. Uh, careers that are might be perceived as more traditionally male.
0: Yes. Like, I, I, I know in my school at the time, I was advised uh, when I said I was going to college, my career guidance teacher, oh, I was really hoping you'd become a nurse. And I was kind of going, W- what gave you the impression I'd be a good nurse? And she went, I could see you controlling the doctors.
1: Right, okay. <laughs> so and that's what women with leadership qualities back then were, were supposed, to, uh, supposed to strive for.
0: Potentially. I think things have changed a lot now. <laughs>
1: okay, well, thankfully indeed. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're now running a a, a very substantial fruit company. I'm not sure why we have so many fruit companies in this country, but fair enough, we do. Um, (laughs) What's it like kind of running a a global company from from this island?
0: It's great. I I have to say, I think um, Irish people export very well. Um, I think we operate in different cultures very well. I've been to probably about 40 or 50 different countries doing some level of business and we're received well and I think from looking with my team we we interact with other cultures quite well Um, I think it's Having an Irish passport, they say, is, is a very good thing. And that's been my experience traveling around the world.
1: But what about, I suppose, the, the, the framework that exists here to help businesses? Yeah. I mean, so much of this economy, and we see it in the news headlines around the world, is, is kind of caught up in, in big multinationals that come here and set up, um, yeah. you know, big premises and hire yeah. lots of people for, for we were told, uh, a bright, talented workforce. Cynics might argue it's because of tax. Is there as much of a focus on On fostering homegrown businesses? Yeah,
0: I do think Enterprise Ireland does a good job in that area. Um, And I think a number of the funds and the supports that have come out recently um, with Brexit, because I think Brexit is quite a challenge for a lot of companies and a lot of Irish companies. Um, I think... EI does a very good job on supports there and there is good networks around the world. So when I was doing some business in China, I have to say EI, Board BIA and, you know, the Department of Foreign Affairs were all excellent in supporting what you wanted to do. Other countries, you don't need as much support, but where you do need the support I've, I've actually had been at a brilliant event by Board BIA in London and got to network with some people. I probably wouldn't have gotten to network without that support. So I think we do do a good job to help com- companies export. Uh, there's a challenge I've sort of put to the government about family businesses. I'm not sure we have a strategy. I think we have a very good strategy for SMEs and you know everything from the startup to scaling. It's a challenge and um, I, I do think the government is focused on that. There isn't as much of a strategy around family businesses. Countries like Germany would have a strategy around supporting and making sure that family businesses, it's in their interest and best interest to stay in the business for a long time.
1: What's missing? F- from the Irish strategy or from the you know
0: I, uh, I think a strategy
1: <laughs> yeah okay uh, do you know w- I, what, what do you need as it were what does um, the strategy need to be
0: I do think th- things like a tax structure for how family businesses how you know you invest your capital in a business or you leave your capital in you know you don't want people to be significantly financially better off by selling right okay and that can be what happens, and particularly as you go down through the generations and there's more and more shareholders. Is there a strategy? Because if you looked at 100 years ago, the strategy was it went to the eldest son. Right. Yeah. Things have changed, so you need.
1: But join the dots for us. Why is that in the kind of the national interest as opposed to the interest of of the individual families that own these businesses?
0: I think a little bit around. If you look at during the recession. And particularly, there was a good bit of studies done in Germany around that. Family businesses tend to retain employment, if not grow slightly, whereas a lot of the independent multinationals shrank their workforce considerably. So I think there was a small study done in Ireland and the same shown but I'm not sure if it's statistically significant. So
1: it's about, I suppose, commitment to the country, as it were.
0: Exactly. So if you have an indigenous family business, they tend, you know, if you look on the average, to contribute more to the local economy.
1: And to stick around and to make it work instead of cutting and running when the proverbial hits the fan.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So I do think there is a vision that could be put out there. Look, there's a thousand and one things the government have to do. So I think what EI is doing is excellent. And I've certainly benefited from some of the training that they've done.
1: Okay, good stuff. Uh, w- w- in terms of, of training, you as a leader, um, wh- what do you think are your kind of own... Uh, well, I suppose we covered your strengths. What are your, what are, what are
0: your weaknesses? Give <laughs> <and laughs> me the juicy yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's not that I'm a perfectionist. <laughs> um, hmm. Look, everybody has them. I I probably like to be a bit of a control freak. That's probably where the ERP system came from, (laughs) in some ways. Um, I like to understand and know everything and be involved in everything. And if you're running a business our size, I have to learn how to delegate and delegate properly. (laughs) That's not necessarily a weakness? Um, It's a challenge if you want to grow. Right. So uh, as an entrepreneur, you need to decide, do you want to control everything and keep the business this size, or are you comfortable to let stuff go? Of brilliant people um, and let them do it, and frequently they can do it better than you can. Anyway. Well, what,
1: what are those bits that you um, actually quite like to delegate? The bits where you kind of think, do you know, something I'm not great at this and I need some help.
0: Um, I suppose my CFO and myself work really, really well together, and where you know he's brilliant with pulling out all the numbers I need, he understands me at this stage, <laughs> so he understands, you know, when we look at a business challenge. We tend to divide and conquer, you know, ourselves. You mm-hmm. know, we said, sort of, you do that bit, I do that bit, you do that bit, you do that bit. And it's really, really efficient and effective of getting through stuff. So I do think everybody needs that. And different people will do different things in that. I'm just, I'm lucky my CFO and myself work really well together like that.
1: Mm. I mean, I guess there's so many strands to business, and especially in uh, an agricultural business such as your own. There's the the art of growing, there's the the, the science and all that goes around it, marketing and numbers. Um, Is is it numbers or maybe you kind of, is is your least favourite part of the pie?
0: I love them, but I don't love preparing them. Right. <laughs> so, um, so I always look at them with a fresh pair of eyes because uh, I know what I want. I know the information I want to see. I'm really clear on that. Um, and uh, with every business, like if you talk to somebody who knows their business in every aspect, there's numbers that drive it. Hmm. So you know that, for want of a better term, if it's costing you more than 42 cents to run a case through the building, you're going to lose money. <laughs> Or whatever it might be so everybody needs to know the numbers that drive their business to make money.
1: So as, as, as a family business as very much rooted in in, in North Dublin mm-hmm. as yours is I guess you have that real sense of strong community there but what about the kind of the, the national community that you now serve as a, as a national company?
0: Yeah I think one of the things I've really enjoyed being part of is uh, SEI, Social Entrepreneurs Ireland. Um, because I think it really taps into um, an area where I really enjoy supporting other business people coming up, but in this area, they're basically setting up a business to deal with the social issue. So, for example, equipment Men's Sheds or Food Cloud. Both came through SEI Ireland. So the idea is to support people who've set up this business, who have a great idea, but maybe don't always have the business skills or the resources to develop it.
1: Or maybe it's not necessarily going to be terribly profitable from the no, start. No, no.
0: And, and, and they need support. And it may never be massively profitable, But it's to take them from that startup stage to show, look, we can have this level of impact and therefore can we get other businesses or government funding to come in and support it where they have a proven case. And I think that's one area that entrepreneurs can really help because these are social entrepreneurs. They really haven't driven a business maybe by themselves before and this is where we can help them really drive it.
1: So it's often, said so you were talking there earlier about, uh, you know, family businesses, their commitment to, um, you know, a, a country or commitments to remaining a family business. It's also said statistics show that actually the more generations you go down, yeah. the more likely it is that the family business will no longer be a family business. I
0: think it's only 3% that survive into the fourth generation.
1: Wow. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm
0: supposed to be uh, <laughs> spending it all. I'm supposed to be having loads of fun.
1: <laughs> so are you, are you confounding that statistic, do you think?
0: Um, um, I don't know, because I don't know what will happen into the next generation. We're doing well, third generation, because there's only a small enough percentage that survive well in third. So I'm hoping it survives well in third generation. And then we'll see about the fourth generation again. You know, there's quite good things. They could be just shareholders. They could be involved. Who knows?
1: Do you th- do you think, though, that, you know, you guys anyway will still be a, a family business in, in 10 or 20 years time?
0: probably. You'd say, you know, that's that's the plan.
1: Do you hope so?
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, because I I have to say I I love the business. So I love being part of it. Um, It probably does add to it by being a family member. Absolutely. But I think the team we have there, both family and non-family, are amazing. And they all really believe in what we're trying to do. So when you've got people who work for what they believe in, you know, it's it's a, it's a great place to work.
1: And that's the business. But what about you? Because you said whenever, oh, yeah. you, whenever you took the job in the first place, yeah, yeah, you were yeah. saying, right, I'll try this for a couple of years. Yeah, exactly. and I'll yeah, see yeah, how yeah. it goes.
0: Yeah,
1: Is this it now for you?
0: I don't. Well, uh, no. I mean, even if I take on another career at 70, because I do need to leave them to do what they need to do. I don't know when I'll move on to my next thing. But the key is that the business is in a better place five years after I leave it that would be a good sign of success, that, that it would be in a better place five years after I'm left than when I left it. Because if I leave it and it falls down, I wouldn't be happy with that.
1: Okay, Caroline Keeling, thank you very much. Thank Love you. Lovely to talk to you.
0: Good talking to you. Thanks. That's it for the Architects of Business this week.
1: Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks too to our guest, Caroline Keeling, our producer, Patrick Hohey, and all of the team here at Joe. This programme is made in partnership with EY Entrepreneur of the Year. Go to their website, eoy.ie, to learn more about the finalists for this year. And don't miss out on our past or even future editions of the Architects of Business by subscribing for free on iTunes, on your favourite Android podcast app, or you can watch the show on YouTube. Check out some of Joe's other podcasts too including the hard yards on rugby, the GAA Hour and our movie show, The Big Review Ski. I'm Ty Gainwright. Thank you so much for being with us today and I'll see you again soon. Bye bye.
0: The Architects of Business on Joe, in partnership with the EY Entrepreneur of the Year programme, telling the story of Ireland's leading entrepreneurs across the island of Ireland.